Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode and uh, with a brand new guest and actually a brand new, I'm, Vanessa, I'm going to go ahead and call you a friend of mine. I, I consider, um, <laughs> unless you're just a total jerk to me, I would generally consider anyone, even if I've just met you, a friend. So I'm going to call you a friend. Thank you for making time for the Boca Podcast community today. I'm really excited to be here, and I was really pleased to meet you at United this year. And I have to say, Nathan, one of the things that I noticed the first moment I met you, in fact, it was before I even knew who you were, actually just a random person at the event, was just the way that um, the photographers I was with connected with you and the way hmm. that you handled their discussion and made them feel heard and connected. And and then finding out that you were the host of this podcast. So it was a really cool way to meet you. And I was just impressed with the way that you connected with them. So I know that's important to you. And I watched you do it like live in action. And it was oh. a great moment. Well, that gives me a goosebumps only because it means a lot because I do put in a lot of effort into that. And, you know, it's it's one thing you can tell when you're having a conversation with somebody who is is kind of being professional in quotes, if you will. They're kind of doing their job. I think of like networking meetings. You've probably been to a networking meeting at yeah. some point where it's it feels like, you know, immediately when you're having a conversation with somebody, it's just it's very surface level, kind of robotic. They're doing what they need to to get by, get through the conversation and move on. And I've had a couple of experiences in my life where there have been two specific people, one in particular, his name was Todd, I just mentioned him uh, on, a, on a podcast I did recently, who made me feel important. And, and it, it wasn't because of his significance in the industry or because he had some prominence in the world. It was just simply because he actually paid attention. He was actually curious. And he would just ask question after question after question after question and I just felt so good walking away from a conversation with him. And I want to give that to other people because it was such a positive experience for me. So I want to do that in conversation here. I want to do that certainly in person. Um, anyway, so I just say that to to kind of explain why that means so much. I appreciate you saying those kind words, but also acknowledging it because it's something that I work at. And I think, you know, it's it's a good reminder for every one of us, whether in personal relationships or and business relationships to actually bring that to the table because it's not the norm and the impact that can make in somebody's life. In many cases, we probably won't even know it, but it's, it's vast. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. And I just wanted to affirm in you that you, you really do, or to your listeners, because I'm sure you talk about it with your other, the other people that you host, but that you really do practice what you preach. So thank you. That, that truly means a lot. I, yeah. I, I know that we're going to be getting into a really big topic today. Uh, we're talking, in fact, we've only ever in 300 plus episodes, we've only ever dug into the topic of Pinterest once really. really? And um, okay. so this, I'm, I'm excited about getting into this today. I was, my eyes were opened in the other interview that I did, and I'm, I'm sure are going to be further 
uh, my, my attention is going to be just kind of grabbed and I'm going to be pulled in in this conversation. We're going to be talking, for those of you listening in today, about a Pinterest marketing strategy for wedding professionals, but more specifically, of course, in, in the context of our podcast for wedding photographers. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit, but we normally start off the conversations here at the Boca Podcast with brand position. And yeah. it's funny, I, I should normally highlight this. This is meant to be a, a, I put it in the outline that I sent to our guests, it's meant to be a 15 second answer. And the reason that brevity is important is because if we as business owners don't clearly know what it is that we are bringing as a value proposition to the market, then that is going to affect our ability to effectively market to our potential clients. So uh, with that in mind, curious what your business's brand position is. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I know that we need to give a little bit of context too, because you're not a photographer like a lot of the guests we have on, right? Right. Not a photographer. So I like to say that I help creative small businesses and specifically the wedding industry as I've started to market with you more, craft traffic generating Pinterest marketing strategies so that you can spend less time marketing your business and more time on your unique creative work. So what does that look like to, I guess on a practical level, what does that actually translate to? Yeah, so I work as an educator and also as a Pinterest manager and help brands utilizing their content to drive traffic to their website using Pinterest because I believe Pinterest is a really powerful tool for getting more eyes on your content for brand awareness, but then also ultimately goal making more sales, whether that's through client inquiries or even selling a digital product. Okay. And we're going to do that very thing. By the way, I love the specificity, the clarity and the brevity (laughs) of your answer. And to my earlier point, this is a great example for all of our listeners. If, if you as a photographer, a photography business owner are not just absolutely and definitely sure what kind of hill you represent in your market, the hill that you're standing on, the idea or the ideal that you're representing, and ultimately the value proposition that you're bringing to a potential client, how you're going to make their life better uh, with this kind of clarity, then it's time to take a step back, especially during a slower season that's coming up and think about that so that you can clearly articulate it, which will then translate to more easily marketing to your potential market. So um, I'll leave it at that because I know we spend a lot of time on this topic many times, but I really appreciate the the specificity and the clarity there, Vanessa. Let me jump to the next question, though. You you have been in business now. How many years, actually? Um, three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, so relatively new to the game, which is an interesting perspective <laughs> Uh, what has been so far the biggest lesson that you've learned as a business owner? Yeah, well, I think it relates to your previous comment, which is my favorite piece of advice is to niche down as early as possible and to focus on what is essential to your business and moves the needle forward. So what is making your money? So I believe that in my own experience that niching and becoming an expert on one thing has really been the fastest path, not only to I, like client inquiries, like people know when they think Pinterest, they might associate that with me in this particular crew. I mean, there are a lot of wonderful Pinterest managers, but then also it's allowed me to simplify my business systems because I only do one thing. Yes, I have multiple workflows within this one thing of Pinterest management, but I know exactly the path to take. So if you're doing too many things and have your hands in too many things, it can really complicate your systems and also just take you more time to do those things. I love that. I lo- and, and I love actually having somebody on the podcast that is r- kind of mirroring the thought processes that I communicate. Because it's one thing for me as the, as the podcast host to talk about these ideas. It's another thing for us to have a guest on that says, you know what, actually, 
Nate may talk about this all the time and it's easy for him to do that, but this actually is an applicable principle. And, and I love how you articulate the fact that knowing exactly what it is that you are offering to the market, it acts as a filter, right? You know, this is what it is that I'm taking to market because that is my goal. I'm able to filter out anything that's irrelevant and I'm able to focus in on what matters to that end goal. Yeah. And I think it can be scary for people to consider niching because they're, they believe they're going to be turning away business. But I believe that you can niche within a niche. So for example, Pinterest management or Pinterest content, there's so many different categories in Pinterest that I don't work with and that I turn away like food. I don't work with food counts. I don't work with beauty or I don't work with um, there's various other types of things that I don't work with. And so even niching within my niche has not hurt my business. In fact, there's always inquiries that I have to turn away because I may not have the time. So I know that people have a lot of a fear around that, but I'd really consider like, just consider all the people out there who need your services and how much you can really take on. Well, and you talk about fear, um, and this has been something kind of front of mind for me in the last year in particular, I guess, is it, it, the reality about fear is that it indicates in many cases, a lack of knowledge. And, and I think that a lot of times photographers, and I've certainly been guilty of this as a business owner, photographer or otherwise, I, I, I wasn't aware of the, the market as much as I should have been to be able to actually attach numbers to the market. So when we're talking about niching down, the assumption there, um, and if, if it's not an assumption, the recommendation to our listeners would be do a little bit of market research be aware of, first of all, where other businesses, what their brand positions are so that you're not just copying and pasting what they're doing. And then also be aware of the market in the sense that you know what it is they are actually looking for or what they need and go to that place. So you see an opportunity because other businesses aren't there. That same opportunity also is in line with what market is looking for and, and is not provided by a service in the area. You're able to go there. And so when you niche down, you know that there's actually business there. You're not just kind of guessing at an idea based on okay. how you feel that day, but you're actually going where there's a need. Simultaneously niching down, to your point, Vanessa, is it enables you to kind of simplify your life to really focus in. It means more efficient workflow. It means more free time on the other side of all of that. Uh, I think it's just a great way to go about doing business. And so I'm glad that you highlight this. Yeah, no, it's, I mean... I will say that some of it hasn't been completely intentional, but even within my own field, I'm working with a lot of wedding pros, also home decor. And there, there really wasn't someone speaking to wedding professionals about Pinterest, which is crazy yeah. when you think about it. And so I just kind of found my way in there, but like, even looking back, I've been married for 12, 13 years. I forget the number looking back to my own wedding planning process and how much value I placed on my wedding photography. And when I look at the amount I paid my wedding photographer, who was good, like he's, that was a lot back then. It would be so much now, yeah. but I just really valued my wedding and my photography. And it's funny that I've found my way into business and working with wedding photographers. So I like that kind of combination of my past with this, my, my current business. Well, and you, you mentioned the significance of time um, when it comes to that specificity. So it's a great segue for my next question, which has to do with finding free time especially with a family and then running a business, managing all of that and kind of being able to breathe at the end of the day, make sure that you're giving enough time to the significant people in your life and then effectively running and building a business. This, this can be a challenge. So is there, is there an idea, a principle, a concept that enables you to have time at the end of the day for these things, kind of despite being a business owner? 
Yeah, well, um, your readers or your listeners may not know that I am a um, busy mom to three kids. I'm also a homeschooler, and I was talking to Nathan about this before we started recording, but we have moved multiple times across the country in the last two years. And um, from a business perspective, perspective my, the growth of my business, most of it has happened in the last 18 months, which is crazy when you consider the responsibilities in my life. But I feel like free time doesn't just drop in my lap. I really have to plan for it and plan for rest and breaks. So as a general rule, my husband and I don't work evenings and building those boundaries around ourselves in the evening allows us to really focus on the time available to us for work. And so for me, my work is batched. And so one of my favorite things to do is is a, ba- a daily planner. I, I use a physical planner as well as like digital for like appointments that I don't want to miss like podcasts. And by batching my work per day. So Monday, I have a list of things that I do every Monday and Tuesday and so on. I know exactly what I need to do when I open up that planner and when I have my work time, when my kids are at childcare. So it's really and really important to plan um, for your day and not just sit down and say, hey, it's work time. What am I going to do? So for me, that's been really important, but then also making sure that I schedule in those breaks. Because if I don't, honestly, it's like a train. Um, It'll just keep going until I'm burnt out and I need to quit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's easy to get to jump on that train and just like kind of lose control. The the train is going 100 miles an hour and you're just on it and then suddenly, you know, boom, you hit you hit rock bottom because you're just totally burnt out. So that that proactive mindset when it comes to the way that you're managing your work, creating boundaries, batching, these are this is kind of a theme that has come up in many of the conversations that I've had in the podcast and for those of you listening in, if you're hearing this and you're not applying some of these principles, um, this is the day. Make some of those changes. And, and to that point, Vanessa, um, what, is it, what does it look like to cut off work for the evening? And also, you know, there's, there's this kind of sense of FOMO that a lot of people have if, that if they, they don't respond to the email when it comes in immediately, that that's somehow going to affect their brand reputation, their ability to be able to get business. What would your response be to that? I, it kind of goes back to that fear of niching down. I think there's a lot of assumptions we make as business owners if we don't reply to that inquiry right away or if we don't move on something right away. And I just, I don't believe that anymore. I think one of the tools that you can use to be, you know, if you get an inquiry in the evening and you want to make sure that it gets out is sometimes if it's really important to me or I know I have a busy thing going on the next day, I will just write it at the top of my planner. It's the first thing I'm going to work on, or I will begin the draft and then finish it the next day. Or if I'm going to be traveling, I might use something like Boomerang or now Google has a built-in scheduler. But I want my clients to know that I have certain physical boundaries on my time. And I think people really respect that. And I think that that comes off as professional and people want confidence that they're working with a professional. So I just don't worry about those things anymore. And I do make time to respond within 24 hours. That's important to me. And I write it down. So I don't know. I mean, I just think it's important that no matter what, that you are prioritizing your time with your family. And if you lose an inquiry because you went on vacation, then so be it. But I still think it's important that your family knows that you're going to be available in the evening for dinner and bedtime and et cetera. 
That's great. That's really wonderful. Talk to me about, um, I mean, you've, it seems as though you've moved pretty quickly as a business owner and, and in order to do that, you have to have some knowledge base, right? I think, I think the the flip side of this conversation, people are like, how do you know to me say, how do you know so much? Or how did you do this? And that I'm like, it, Google, I like, I'm, I get really <laughs> yes. good at Google because <laughs> there's a lot of information out there. You Google it, you learn how to do it, you make it happen. And then you kind of learn as you go. But all that to say, there are certainly a, a million different million plus uh, millions of resources out there. Um, I've found a lot of value in books, podcasts as well, audiobooks. Are there particular resources that come to mind, even just one or two that have made a big impact for you as a relatively new business owner? Yeah, I had a hard time narrowing it down to two. I mentioned this early earlier, but a book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yeah. Um, because as a mompreneur, I'm already limited by time. I just don't have time to pursue all the little um, like things in my head that I want to do. I know that I can't. And so this book really helps you get laser focused on what you love doing, but also what's the most profitable. So for example, when I started my business, I just started as a general um, virtual assistant for one of my best friends who was a successful home decor blogger. And I realized very quickly that Pinterest was just my jam and I really enjoyed working with it. I enjoyed the results that came from it. So instead of taking on more clients to do all the other social media or um, administrative tasks, I realized this was what was most profitable. This is what people really wanted. It was a specialty that a lot of people didn't understand, so they couldn't outsource as easily. And that's where my bread and butter could come from. So I picked up on that easily and I dropped the things that didn't matter. Another book that I really love is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And it's, it's I mean, what's really funny about it is I got it on um, Audible. And my husband and my, my husband, who's a professor and my father-in-law, who's a pastor, both listened to it and they found ways to apply it to their own like careers. Absolutely. But it basically just talks about like everybody needs to know why and what they're doing. And that when you figure out your why, which for me is helping people market their business without having to babysit the Pinterest platform, that why helps them you know, connect to their life. Maybe it's, they want to spend more time with the people in their lives or they have chronic health issues. And so they just physically can't market as much. All those things have helped me establish relationships with people. People who are connected to that. Why are the people who follow me and can connect with me? So also I want to throw in um, a pitch for deep work because it's a great book that teaches you why, like when you're in your work mode, Yeah why it is so important to just be in the zone and to turn off the distractions and how really difficult that is for us in the age of just, like I just got a a buzz on my computer. Like little things like that just are always in our face and always buzzing at us and dinging at us. Okay, we'll link to all three of these these books actually in the show notes. I, I know Essentialism, uh, is one that, that, uh, my friend Sean Austin with Kiss Books, uh, has mentioned. And a uh, deep work is one that Rich Smith, who is regularly on the, the book podcast for our workflow Wednesday series. Uh, mm. he's also mentioned that to me as well. And, and then of course, start with why this is, this has come up so many times on the podcast over the last couple of years in understanding what it is that, that, I mean, if we start with why, and this is kind of the underlying mission, I, I think it starts with a mission for our, our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it centers around time and relationships. So the businesses then that I create also center around time and relationships. 
in various ways and understanding where or what you are motivated by on a very deep level, letting that translate to the businesses that you create. And then of course, to your earlier point, letting that translate to how you work day to day makes all the difference in the world. And it is, it's truly applicable across the board, whatever profession you might be involved in. I think it makes a big difference. It also helps minimize burnout too, because you're not, you're ultimately fighting. Hopefully that why is tied in some way to serving or taking care of others in Mm -hmm. one form or another that acts as a deeper motivation that takes us beyond, you know, I, I'm not feeling like doing whatever, fill in the blank today, which is very selfish in nature many times. And, and ultimately, if our focus is on taking care of others, serving others, that can create a level of motivation that will far surpass how I feel in the moment and, and really can help us make big impact on the world. So these are, these are great books. I'll make sure to link to them in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. I say, I'm going to link to them. Actually, Haley, who produces our podcast does a really great job putting together our show notes. If you're not taking advantage of it, uh, listeners, make sure you go to bocapodcast.com, check out the show notes, or you can see them in your podcast player or app as well. Let's jump to Pinterest. And and my word, this is, I know this is a massive topic and we're just going to spend a few minutes on it today, but let's start with why Pinterest in some ways, at least, and maybe this is subjective and I'm projecting on the situation, but it seems like Pinterest has kind of gotten left behind in many ways in favor of Facebook, Instagram. Why do you think that is? Well, I actually want to flip um, the microphone to you because I would love to know why you subjectively think that Pinterest is getting left behind before I answer. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. And I, I think it's a, it, it is a perception thing. I see the traffic to Facebook and Instagram because it seems like it is most commonly used across the board. Number one, Facebook is an ad platform. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, because really they're integrated. It gives me a significant amount of control and how I am sending it an ad to a potential client. I really love that as well. And then I also tend to kind of play by the 80-20 rule. So I go where I can get the most done for the least effort. And I say, I put least in, in quotes there. I'm not meaning to be lazy. I just want to work efficiently because I also have a limited amount of time. So mm-hmm. I guess those are pretty significant factors for me when I'm looking at the topic. Okay, so... I can respond and say the same thing about Pinterest and that I believe it's a really efficient marketing tool. But to answer why I believe it's getting left behind is I think it gets left behind in the same ways that blogging and search engine optimization get left behind. It's not as intuitive for people. Content marketing can be really time intensive, like writing a blog post or creating a video versus just posting an image, which as photographers, you guys have like thousands of those, right? A lot of people outside of the photography world don't have that problem or they, they do have that problem. They don't have the images. So I think for photographers specifically, it's just, it's just more intensive to blog. You mean mean we have to actually make an effort sometimes? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think you guys are struggling with, you know, what to write in the caption. I do as well. That's difficult, right? But you have bazillion images that you can use. The other thing is I don't think that Pinterest is perceived as a very linear strategy. So we're talking about the organic. Obviously with ads, you can deliver them to certain people, but there's a lot of money behind that. And I assume there's people in your audience who aren't ready to back up their um, their business with ads and that's understandable. But Pinterest is not seen as linear. So Instagram, it's like one post at a time, one foot in front of the other. You've one and done and then you move on. 
Pinterest is much more like a web, like a spider web, where you are pinning your content to multiple different places. And that can feel really confusing to people and they don't know where to start. So, but in my tools, I teach people how to create workflows that seem more linear and make it easier. So I think for me, the reason why it's left behind is I think a lot of people know intuitively that Pinterest is where they should be focusing on for their brides and I guess their grooms. But um, I think I think people are just confused and afraid. And so they just don't do it. There's just a barrier there. And so I'm trying to help bridge that barrier. Do you happen to know the, the, the difference in, in traffic to Pinterest versus say, let's just take Facebook is like, what does that ratio look like? Or, or if we were to break it down another way, the percentage of attention given to Facebook by your, your potential bride versus Pinterest, what is that? Do we have numbers like that? Yeah, I actually have great numbers because something that just came out recently. So we all know the knot and the wedding wire. I was going to mention this a little bit later as an advantage of Pinterest over Facebook and Instagram, but the knot and the wedding wire have combined, right? They're now this huge conglomerate and they, every year they do a survey. And on that survey, they talked about all different things and how people plan their weddings. But one of the stats that just came out was 64%. And remember who they're surveying are their more modern brides. Like they're not, like these are people who are actually planning weddings now. 64% used Pinterest for inspiration. In fact, in this little chart that they had, there was no other social media platform listed. It didn't talk about Instagram. It didn't talk about Facebook. It was just talking about the technology that they use to plan their wedding. Hmm. So even in the survey, it was like, they use the not.com wedding websites. There was something else. And then Pinterest, like the conversation was only really involving Pinterest for wedding planning. So I thought that was really interesting. Another thing that I love to share, and I share this in my keynotes or my breakout sessions, 81% of pinners use Pinterest to plan their wedding before they're even engaged. So these are people who haven't even met Mr. or Mrs. Wright yet and don't even have a ring on that finger and they're using Pinterest for ideas. And so those are two powerful pieces of data and there are more. Wedding is a, weddings are a huge, huge piece of content on Pinterest. I think there's something like 80 million wedding pins or something like that. I, oh, wow. Um, there are a lot. I'm going to get that set for you. Um, I have it on one of my sheets. But um, we, know that pin, we know that brides are using it they're bringing you ideas on Pinterest probably when they meet with you. They have board ideas. So I think people know this intuitively. Again, I just think the barrier is high. Another thing that I want to point out is I often hear from other photographers that their Instagram DM and inquiries are waning and that a lot of their engagement on Instagram is from other photographers hmm. who obviously aren't booking their services. Yeah. Good for you if you are a podcast, right, for photographers or an educator for photographers, because we know they're there. But I think their clients aren't necessarily finding them there. And I think they're starting to figure out that, hey, like, I'm using this platform, but a lot of the engagement is from people who might never actually pay me a dollar. So that's what I've heard. I don't know if you agree with that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm going to defer to you as the professional here. And and again, my my assumption might, it, well, I'm, I'm sure at least partially has to do with the fact that I'm not, uh, number one, I'm not an active Pinterest user. And two, I'm not, I'm no longer a wedding photographer. I was, sh- I shot weddings for over a decade, but now I'm, I am focused on the photography industry. And you, you just, outside of the occasional conversation about Pinterest as a, like you pointed out, a source of inspiration for clients. I just, I don't hear a lot of conversation around it. I hear a lot of conversation around Facebook marketing, 
potentially Instagram marketing, how to use the platforms in your social media strategy, but I just don't hear as much about Pinterest. But it's interesting to note that, and in fact, this is a great segue then to, yeah, my next question, which you alluded to, three of the biggest advantages over of, of Pinterest over Facebook and Instagram. You're pointing out that that Pinterest, number one, is a platform that can actually be used for planning. Is that what you're suggesting the advantage is? No, well, I think the biggest advantage is traffic generation. So let's just focus on, you talked about the comparison of traffic percentage-wise of Facebook, you, you know, YouTube and Instagram and Pinterest. And I wish, actually, I wish I'd brought that number to you, but traffic generation, if you're using Pinterest effectively, it will far outweigh any traffic you get from Facebook and Instagram. I work with home decor bloggers who have over a hundred thousand followers on Pint- or on Instagram and also with photographers who maybe have like, or they might have 10 or 20,000 followers, 80%, 90% of their traffic um, from social media platforms is coming from Pinterest. Hmm. It in my own, in my own business, 50% of my traffic might come from Pinterest and a somewhat equal amount from SEO. But what's really cool about Pinterest and SEO is they actually work really well together. Every time you create that blog, you're not just creating it for Pinterest, you're also creating it for search engines. In the last month, I've received really well-known people who have really large audiences who found me on Google through a blog post and wanted to book my services. And so I get, and I get inquiries from, from Instagram as well. So I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I do think that people forget that search engines and optimizing those blog posts for Pinterest also work really well for search engines. So traffic generation is really important, specifically evergreen traffic generation. So evergreen means you're getting traffic to your website for something that you maybe posted a year ago or two years ago. This happens all the time. If you post something on Instagram or Facebook it's going to get buried. No one is going to have access to the link, right? Because it's just going to get buried in your feed. Pinterest can lead traffic to something that you published multiple years ago and still bring in leads and inquiries. So if you did your dream wedding and it was a really luxury wedding and you want to book more of those, you can still get traffic to that luxury wedding. So those potential inquiries come in and see that and then book you. So that is a huge advantage of Pinterest over any of the Facebook and Instagram crowds. Second is brand awareness and discovery. So I like to say that people come onto Pinterest, they're not looking for an exact thing. So if you want to buy tennis shoes and you know you want Nike tennis shoes, um, you want Jordans, if you want that, you're not going to Pinterest, you're going to Zappos or Amazon, you're buying it directly from, because you know exactly what to search for. Pinterest is the place that you go for discovery. And so if you're looking for modern tennis shoes or whatever, I don't know what to call it. I'm actually not a very athletic person. You're going to search for that keyword in the Pinterest platform. So if you are, if you live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you're looking for a Chattanooga wedding venue, and you don't know anything about wedding venues in the area, you go to Pinterest and you put Chattanooga wedding venue. And on that, the results are going to display wedding venues. But if you're a photographer, you have an opportunity to have a pin about a wedding venue. I wish I knew Chattanooga better. I could list one. And you could have that wedding venue. Person clicks over to your website and they're like, that's the place I want to get married. And that is the photographer I want to work with. Boom. You made those inquiries. Maybe they're not even engaged yet and they save it to a board. But guess what happens? The first thing they do when they get engaged They probably find their venue and then they probably find their photographer. So it's great for brand awareness because sometimes people just don't even know what to search. We assume that people know the best venues in our area, but honestly, a lot of people have only planned a wedding once and so they just don't know. So (laughs) those are my big advantages. I mean, I can give you the other thing, which is about how 81% of those pinners are planning 
their wedding on Pinterest before they're engaged. And then also just that we know from the knot and wedding wire that 64% of those brides and grooms are using Pinterest um, for their wedding planning. So, yeah, which is interesting too, because I, I was thinking as you were talking that Instagram and Facebook, and, and maybe this is an oversimplification, but I, it seems as though, especially with Instagram, where you're just kind of almost mindlessly scrolling and occasionally double tapping, it's it's a form of entertainment or distraction. Whereas yeah. Pinterest, in contrast, is a place that a potential bride is going to go to actively not only yeah. look for inspiration, but it, you know, innate to that process of looking. If the photographer is using the platform right they're going to be able to also find the people associated with what they think looks amazing. Yeah. It's a visual search discovery engine. Pinterest is very happy for people to click off their platform onto a website. They encourage that. Hmm. They also encourage you to create good content. So if you're not creating good content, they don't prioritize you in the feed. Instagram and Facebook don't want you to come off their consumption platforms. Mm. You know, it was just something that just got into my mind. Um, and you know, you and I have, I don't know, you've been in business for over a decade, it sounds like, me, three and a half years. We're smart about the platforms. We know how they work and we know what we're doing. Most people don't know what they're doing when they're on Instagram. They don't know how things work. Like True. they, unless you're just a super savvy millennial 18 year old, um, you don't know how things work. You don't know what you're supposed to do. That's why we use call to actions and things like that. And Pinterest makes it easy because you just have to tap on the pin and then it takes you to your website. So I just think that we assume that people know that we're supposed to be marketing to them on Pinterest or on Instagram. Like, I don't think people are as not smart. It's not the right word. They're just not as savvy and intentionally thinking about the way that we are. Well, I mean, this has already been extremely compelling and it's quite fascinating. Like if, if I was a wedding photographer and I wasn't spending time on Pinterest, I'd be going today to begin kind of setting up, setting that up and, and certainly taking advantage of some of the other resources um, that, that you offer. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But what percentage, I mean, w w can you actually put a number on, on what you think a photographer, or if you want to be a little bit more general, wedding professionals marketing efforts should be allocated to Pinterest? I mean, I'm based on what you're saying here, I'm, I'm, it seems as though the majority, uh, should be allocated to Pinterest, but what are your thoughts? Well, so I don't believe that Pinterest should dominate your life. And, you know, we talk about those three kids earlier in this platform. I don't have time to babysit the Pinterest platform. It is very easy to automate. And I know you talk a lot about workflows. And so in my training, I teach um, about a tool called Tailwind, which allows you to automate your Pinterest marketing strategy. So I believe that if you are blogging regularly, I would recommend at least weekly, especially those weddings, those real weddings that you're actually doing, even if you're not a photographer, even if you're a planner or venue owner or whatever. That might take you an hour to compose that blogging um, piece. But I think that you, once you learn how to use Tailwind, it won't take you more than 10 minutes to be able to schedule it on Pinterest. So can I just say an hour a week could make a huge impact. And that wow. includes writing the blog post, can make a huge impact on traffic generation. And that blog post doesn't just have to serve Pinterest. It serves search engine optimization. It serves Instagram. It allows you to take what you blogged about and talk about on Instagram stories. If you are an educator or maybe you're just using YouTube, which good for you, I use it, but it's hard. It is time consuming. You can YouTube about it. You can TikTok about it. So don't take that one piece of content that you created and leave it just for Pinterest, like maximize it for all the platforms yeah. so that you don't see it just going towards one place. So I think an hour a week is plenty, especially if you, you know, have a good workflow with your blogs and hopefully you guys teach that like, 
it really doesn't have to consume your life. So hour a week, it can become one of your biggest traffic generators. You can, you can set up a queue on Tailwind. If you want to go on vacation, you don't have to babysit it. It's going and pinning all the time for you. You're not doing it manually on the platform. By the way, you mentioned babysit again. And I, I liked the statement that you made earlier about what you do even better than your original brand position. It was even simpler and more straightforward. You, you enable photographers to create a, a Pinterest marketing strategy that doesn't require babysitting the platform. I, I think like that resonated with me even more, especially when yeah. we're talking about saving time. I really love that idea. But really, that's a great segue into my next question, which the first steps of a Pinterest marketing strategy. And the reason that I want to emphasize first here is because, again, we're, we're talking about a pretty big topic here in Pinterest marketing. Certainly, you have further education on your site. By the way, for anybody listening in, it's Vanessa, V-A-N-E-S-S-A, Kynes, K-Y-N-E-S dot com. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, but I want to at least give kind of an introduction to a Pinterest marketing strategy for our listeners so that they can walk away and, and immediately begin to put a plan into place. What would you say are the first few steps that a photographer needs to take in order to begin creating a marketing strategy on Pinterest? Okay, so let me just give the caveat. Sure. I hear you, listener. I know you're confused and I know you're feeling like overwhelmed by Pinterest. And I know that that's hard. And I think these first three steps will be the hardest steps that you take. And once you get through them, it'll become a lot easier. So I have to say that because I know it really overwhelms people. Sure. Yeah. The number one thing that you need to do is to optimize your Pinterest profile. And so um, I know a lot of people have Pinterest profiles, but they're not business accounts. It's in the terms of service. You have to have a business account if you're using it for business purposes super easy to do. And I would recommend for most people, especially if you've been using it in some business capacity, maybe you've pinned your weddings in the past, is just to switch over to a business account um, instead of starting a fresh new account. So that's number one. And you want to make sure that you have a good feel for what your keywords should be. Many of you are location-based businesses. And so you need to utilize those location-based keywords. So just for example, I always use, I grew up in Dallas. So Dallas wedding venue, Dallas wedding photographer. Those are two really hot keywords that you can utilize in your profile. So you want to utilize the location. If you're a location-based business in your profile setting, you want to use it in your name. So if I was a photographer, I'd say Vanessa Kynes Photography, a little bar, it's called a pipe. Dallas wedding photographer. I want that in my name. In my profile, I want to, I could say, I serve brides in the Dallas and Fort Worth area who want a timeless, light and airy, I don't know, just coming up with some keywords, wedding of moments, uh, intimate moments, something like that. You can put your UVP in that profile. So you really just need to make that conversion. And then you need to start doing some keyword research. The easiest way to do this is, um, so this is step number two, is to just go into the Pinterest platform and start searching, starting with your location likely, and the second word wedding, and start writing down or copying and pasting those words into some kind of document, like a Trello doc or a Google doc, um, like Dallas Wedding. So maybe you are a luxury Dallas wedding photographer and you want to repel affordable or budget brides. So you want to use words like luxury or um, downtown or fine art photography or film photographer. Get a good grip on your keywords. And you maybe have already done this exercise through search engine um, optimization. So those are really helpful places to start too. So when you say, you mentioned optimizing the profile, converting Mm -hmm. it to a business account um, and and thinking very strategically about your keywords. When you say start searching is the second step, you're, you're essentially testing out those keywords, the results that come up as a result of those search terms. You, 
what you're doing is you need, a, it's, it's, that's the, the hard thing about Pinterest is that you almost have to dive straight into search engine optimization or um, keyword research right away. I mean, unlike Instagram, where it's just posting a picture and a caption, this is that you really do have to start with the research. And so you're not just testing out those keywords. You're, you're looking to see what, what are the keywords that people are using on Pinterest to find and discover content. And I can bet you, as Amy says, bet your bottom dollar, that it's likely going to start with your city wedding venue, because that's where most people start on Pinterest. So Chattanooga wedding venue, Alabama wedding venue, Birmingham wedding venue, where I am. Those are going to be the typical places that people start. And when you type that into the Pinterest platform in the search bar, it auto populates with other related terms like Birmingham wedding photographer. Got it. These are the top search. um, There's no number on this particular search of volume, but this is basically telling you what is the top volume. Google does the same thing. These are the top ideas that people are searching for. When you click enter on Dallas wedding venue, it's going to have sub keywords below it, like luxury, affordable, rustic, barn, um, modern, pick the keywords that reflect your brand, take a look and audit at the pins that show up in results and say, Hey, like what's showing up? What venues are most popular? And do you shoot at those? Do you have content that you've created at those venues? Go ahead and create a blog post. Or if you have one, go ahead and optimize it for Pinterest. And so basically what you're doing is you're just trying to take an audit of the the big keywords that people are using. And it's likely going to be the wedding venue in your area, to be honest. But is there, is there like when, when you go about this process, do you also, I mean, you, you alluded to Google, uh, Instagram does something similar with, with hashtags and you can see mm-hmm. the, the search results, the mm-hmm. number of search results for that particular hashtag. Is it really smart to actually use what's most common or do you have to also kind of go like almost like we talked about with brand position earlier, kind of go the opposite direction and make sure you're not just simply using the same keywords that everybody else is using, which means that your, your search result as a company gets kind of lost in the mix. Well, I mean, you have to use the words that people are searching. Okay. And so remember that Pinterest is much more top level funnel and people aren't quite as specific yet. But the way that I believe that you can create the long tail keyword is not just Dallas wedding venue, but luxury Dallas wedding venue. That's four keywords that are going to define who you are. And so taking it beyond those two keywords like Dallas wedding, or I guess Dallas, Dallas wedding venue is three keywords by adding a qualifying keyword that really defines what you do and is a little bit more related to your UVP, that will take you one level deeper. But by using those other three keywords, you still potentially can show up and search. The way that I think you can get more specific as a wedding photographer is listing specific venues. So for example, in Dallas, there's this famous Dallas Arboretum. It's an outdoor wedding venue. Using the Dallas Arboretum as a keyword in your pin descriptions is helps narrow down the search. If that makes sense, people looking for that particular venue and examples of it and people who can shoot at that venue. So you're kind of just beginning your top level to optimize your profile. You do want to use some of those top level keywords because we want to send strong signals to Pinterest, what you're about, where you're located and what type of content you create. And we really want them to know that you are a wedding photographer in Dallas who creates wedding content specifically. Okay. So the, the initial optimization is, is picking keywords that ultimately describe, as you were saying, your UVP, your unique, unique value mm-hmm. proposition for that market. Um, but then you can start using the search engine there on Pinterest in order to further refine the keywords that you're using 
as part of your marketing strategy there on the platform? Right. So if you create a blog post about a specific venue, your pin description, so this is the little description, that little paragraph that goes with your pin when it travels around on the platform, that's super important. And that's where you can be really specific. So you can list the name of the venue. You can list the colors of the wedding. You can talk about how it was a modern luxury wedding or a light and airy wedding with pink, blush, navy, that kind of thing in there. So that's where you get really specific. And that Pinterest description is really important because 80% of people will never see your profile. They will land on a pin through search and they will be clicking on that pin to your website. So that's when you're really specific with your keywords and trying to narrow down a bride. Got it. Okay. So then that second step is start searching. What's the third step and kind of beginning a marketing strategy for Pinterest? Then it's just creating fresh content regularly. So we talked about that, creating that blog post once a week and learning to automate it, the whole process using Tailwind. Um, I manage 10 plus accounts on a regular basis, plus I'll take on like audits or setup accounts. And I could not run my business without Tailwind. Yes, I am an educator for them. I don't get a kickback for being an educator. I mean, I feel it for them. But I really believe strongly in this um, tool and it's really inexpensive. It's like $10 a month. So it's not much when you consider how much you'd have to pay a VA to manually pin and also just keep up with all the webs. Remember, we're, we're not linearly pinning. We're, we're kind of creating a web. So creating that fresh content. So I usually recommend most photographers have some amount of blogs going into your Google Analytics. Hopefully you have that set up and looking to see what are your top five blogs that are getting um, search traffic. Start optimizing those for Pinterest and creating pins for those and getting them on the Pinterest platform using Tailwind. If you're brand new, then start blogging. Try to get five blog posts out, let's say, if you can, of your top venues or the ideal client that you want to book and start pinning those to the Pinterest platform. The be- this is what I meant. Like The beginning feels really scary. Sometimes Pinterest... I don't want people to associate that even in this conversation that it's scary. It's not scary. It's just a long game strategy. It's not you know, I'm going to kind of throw you in the deep end, but I'm going to provide a floaty for you too. Like we're going to work on like really understanding those keywords. And I promise you about two or three months later, you're going to have this down and you're going to know what to do every time you publish a blog post. So I think that's why most people are afraid of it because they don't know how to use it. In the old days, you could pin like we're talking four or five years ago, you could pin something once and like create virality. It's just not like that anymore. There's just more content and it is just, you have to be more strategic. So, but again, I'm, I have lots of content to help people um, work through this. And I know you're going to ask me about that, but um, I kind of want to know like what you think about that strategy is Pinterest, you know, do you think that sounds confusing or is there anything else I can clarify you think for your audience? No, no, no. I think this actually makes a lot of sense and it's a good kind of introduction to what, you know, what they should be doing and and potentially what you can offer them as well. But there is one question that comes to mind. We talk about this idea of creating fresh content weekly. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember if you said this on air or off air earlier, but we were talking about how photographers have a lot of a hard time creating the written content. I think we mentioned this when we were talking about Instagram earlier. This is even more so, I think, the case when it comes to writing fresh blog content, because there is a tendency, and I know that I was guilty of it as a photographer, there's a tendency to just kind of rewrite the same content with different names when we go to write a blog post because we're not naturally, most of us anyway, aren't naturally writers. It's, you see this on Instagram. It's, it's the, I'm so excited to have shared, you know, the day with so-and-so client 
And they, they usually start with roughly the same line using a lot of times the same words. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, and, and we know there's just so excited. And, but that it, it's, it's the same thing. It's just rinse and repeat, copy and paste over and over and over and over and over again. How do you go about, if you're writing content weekly, how do you go about approaching the writing in at least a slightly different way from a slightly different angle to make sure that you're not just using the same words over and over and over again? Well, I might challenge you to think that Instagram is really different from Pinterest because people on Pinterest are discovering maybe one blog post or one pin um, at a specific venue, and they're not reading and consuming all your other blog posts. They might read a few more, right? So I would recommend having a template. And I think that you can also not just do real weddings, but you can also do posts on educating your bride, like how to plan a first look or... um, how to keep your time on your wedding day. Do some education posts if you're feeling like it's feeling tired and it feels the same. But I think, you know, I know that Caitlin James teaches in her course, she has a blog workflow, a blog template. And to be honest, it probably does look pretty similar. It probably is like, share the story of bride and groom, share some special moment, here's some pictures, talk about the detail shots, here's some wow images, congratulations. It probably looks pretty templatized. Hmm. And I don't really think that's big as big of a deal on your blog because people aren't going to be reading years of posts on Instagram. The caption, I mean, I, I mean, and I know this is a real struggle. It's a struggle for myself. I feel like I have to be intense and deep on Instagram. My Instagram posts are usually long form and they do take time for me. I can pop out those blog posts really quickly, surprisingly. Interesting. Okay. I'm educating and I'm just sharing the education. So I know that's a struggle, but I guess one of the challenges I would have for your audience, I'd love to hear from you is, do you believe that blogging is important or do you believe that it's dead for photographers specifically? Oh, I I mean, I think for search engine optimization, it's, it's certainly important. Um, And of course, one can argue as well that, that, if you're running your own blog, that's that's your content, that's your platform versus any other social media platform that could potentially go away. So those are just a couple of initial thoughts. Yeah. I mean, blogging, I sometimes co-host with Davey on Brands That Book. Yeah. And we talked about this. Um, I forget what episode it was, but writing is hard. It's not natural for most people. My husband is a like published author. Writing is much easier for him. It's not easy for me, but it's like exercise. Like you go to the gym and it gets easier and you build up endurance and you learn your systems and it gets easier and easier. And I think for people who are afraid of blogging, um, it you just got to do it. And you have to know that your best work may not be at day one. It might be at day 30 or blog 30, but you will be so glad that you did it in the beginning. And so I would just say that you just, in the words of Nike, you just do it and you keep doing it. And it gets easier. And it you gets and your faster. shoe references. I, I love this. <laughs> I know. The truth is like, do not exercise like, like once a week. And, like, I don't think I've ever, I haven't had Nike shoes in a long time, but I think the point it's that, I know that it's not easy, but I do think it is important because search engines, I believe, will, will outlast some of these platforms as well. Yeah. And um, I, I get, I get inquiries all the time from people who from search, and and there's other things that motivate them to contact me. It's it's likely most of the time because I've educated on my blog and they trust me and what I'm saying, and maybe they follow, follow me on Instagram and they see my aesthetic and my engagement there. It's never one piece, but I do get inquiries from Pinterest and SEO all the time. And I think you have to keep that in mind. Like 
SEO and your blog is much more long lasting than some of these other platforms. So just got to do it. Just got to do it. I, I love that. And that's, you know, it's funny. I've been in business for myself now for, well, I guess it's coming up on close to 20 years. And it, there's, at the end of the day, I mean, as much as we want to complicate and intellectualize this process of being an entrepreneur, a lot of it just comes down to simple concepts such as you just got to do it. Like it, enough, you know, we sit around so much in our culture in 2019, going into 2020, talking uh, kind of, again, overcomplicating things, talking about how we feel and internalizing and getting into our head. At the end of the day, sometimes you just got to do it. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. You just have to do it. And then yeah. you can build a certain momentum, um, certainly gain experience, develop a craft. And, and it, it does, it, it can get easier, but we, we sometimes just need to do it. And I love that we're ending on that note. Will you share briefly with our listeners where um, they can learn a little bit more about some of the resources that you offer um, and how yes. they can follow you online? Yeah. So VanessaKinds.com, I have a Pinterest startup guide. Um, I have a specific blog post actually for photographers. So you could just search on my website, photographers. But I do want to point out, I'm going to be relaunching my um, pin, pin progress course. And this course was actually designed with Caitlin James's business journey students in mind. Um, and so there is a lot of content in there for photographers, wedding professionals. So it's really more suited for service-based businesses than maybe like a food business. Okay. And so if you really want to take Pinterest seriously in 2020, I would recommend that you look into that resource and I'm happy to answer questions on it. Again, just like jumping into the deep end, or if you have a VA, they could take the course for you to manage your content. I'm also on Instagram and I'm super active in DMs. I love engaging with people there. So I'd love to hear you, hear from you. Um, and my Instagram stories are very behind the scenes, like mom life and kind of like all the things that I teach about not having to babysit my marketing because I'm so busy in my like world and my yeah, life is yeah. very true. So like most recently sharing my kids gift guide for um, like what my kids wanted for Christmas this year. So if that interests you and you're a mom or you just want to know what it's like to be a mom business owner, that's what's going on on Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you. Perfect. And we'll put all this information in the show notes for everybody listening in. Um, thank you again, Vanessa. I mean, this has been highly valuable. I really appreciate you making time for all of us. I had a great time talking with you and a great experience. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>